levels. We're setting levels. Are we setting levels or are we leveling sets? Because um, that's what the monster did. I also... Uh, no, no, this can't... We have to talk about we this to, after we do yes. the intro. Yeah, we have to do the intro first. Okay, let me pull up the intro script. I made garlic ramen for dinner, so I'm like very garlicky and I don't want to talk too directly into the microphone while I'm very garlicky, but I also know that I should. It's not like I can smell it through the microphone, cat. I know, but I don't want to stink up my fucking pop filter. Uh, it'll be fine. It's fine. Okay. Um... Before we waste like an entire five minutes, let's yeah. probably okay. let's get started. Let's fucking start the ding dang. Okay. Let us record this podcast. Hello and welcome to Unsound Theories. I'm Kat. I'm Kira. And we watch movies with no sound and no subtitles. Try to figure out what the hell is going on. Spoilers, we don't. Okay. Okay. So, um... We watched a movie called The Giant Claw, which... <laughs> Is one way to name a movie. Um, do you want to make the joke or should I? Uh, no, you can go ahead. Okay. Um, I. It was very apparent pretty quickly into the movie that it was not about a novelty-sized can of White Claw. That's the first thing I noticed. Oh, although we wish it was. <laughs> Could you imagine? Okay, so this movie came out in what, like 1950? something 1957 okay could you imagine if they had white claw back then like i'm pretty sure they were still working with like maybe zima i mean if any time should have had white claw specifically it's the 50s <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh i mean i mean you're not wrong yeah i hate it but you're not wrong yeah that that's that was another um related to a major theme i noticed in this movie which was horrific sexism yeah that was which which like i made a note that i can't hear the sexism in this movie but i can feel it in my soul just from the fucking facial expressions they are making at the sole female character whose main purpose i think as far as i could tell was um she had i think three or four jobs job number one was have emotional reactions to the things the men in the movie are saying to each other Job number two was give tiny glasses of water to men <laughs> after producing them out of nowhere. Okay, the glasses of water were like absurdly small though. They're so tiny and they just, she just fucking whipped them out of nowhere and was like, drink this bitch. Like it, it would have made more sense if she had given them those like, you know, those uh, paper cups that are like cone shaped and come with. Like, yeah. Like, that's basically what she was doing. She was whipping out cones of paper and throwing water at these men who are having women's moments by being emotional in any way, shape or form. Yes. But, you know, a tiny glass of water will fix that just fine. Um, job number three was give pep talks to the main character, I think. Uh, and job four was hand sandwiches to the men while they work. And that's about all she did. That's not true. She also wrote things down when the men said them because they couldn't be bothered. Is that to... what she was doing? Yes. Okay. Wait, what was she a secretary? Yes. What was her ju What did you think she was doing? She's she's just there in a lot of the scenes. Hold on, let's go back. What did you think she was doing with a pen <laughs> while the men were talking? Doodling. I had to like 
in my mind, I had to imagine that she was just like plotting to kill them the entire time. And if I didn't do that, I would die from just pure sexism. Yeah, this this movie had a hell of a lot of... Not to mention the movie was like... It was a very white movie. Yes. Uh, The only black character was the monster, as far as I can tell. Okay, let's let's circle back to this monster. The monster. The titular monster called the, the giant, giant claw, claw was actually just like a derpy vulture. It was an extremely derpy vulture. I don't know if you noticed, this fucking bugged me so much. Whenever they made its mouth open, the bottom jaw would like flop. <laughs> I noticed. Okay, um, this is something that I had to resist talking to you about before we recorded, because uh, this... This is our first episode where we're not recording like immediately after finishing the movie. We had to wait a whole day in between because of scheduling. Oh, it was agonizing. It was pure agony. But the moment that like really fucking got me was when I realized, wait a minute, I get to make my own sound effects for this vulture. (laughs) So I was just sitting there at my desk in silence alone going, Oh my god, that's probably better than what they had in the movie. This fucking, it didn't even flap its wings. This was like... (laughs) Do we want to like talk about what actually happens in the movie instead of just ranting about this monster that they have no context for? (sighs) Yeah, okay, let's go through. Um, Start at the very beginning. Uh, There are a lot of really quick cuts between equipment there's also it's a, really it actually starts with a pretty solid clay model of earth oh yeah that it, that we like slowly zoom in on but the way the camera falls makes me think that we landed like in the middle of manitoba <laughs> I, so I, assu- yeah. I assumed that everything was taking place in winnipeg but everything is the U.S. military. Is it the U.S. military, though? Because there's like four dudes. <laughs> I assume it's the Air Force. And I assume it's the U.S. because one of them had buttons on his lapel that said U.S. Okay. I know the U.S. military was larger than four dudes mm-hmm. in... 1957, and I am fairly sure they didn't contract out piloting to a random round-faced man. (laughs) Well, okay, so I actually gave everyone names. Okay. As is our tradition, I guess. Yes. I didn't... Well, I named, like, two characters. The random round-faced man uh, I have named Plain Flyerman. Which round-faced man? Because they were all round-faced. <laughs> um, Every, this movie is so goddamn full of round-faced men. It Like, I literally wrote, like, four notes about how round everybody's fucking face is. I swear to fucking God, this movie was produced by, like, the graduating class of Professor oreos acting school for ovoid boys (laughs) 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 i kind of want to rename him professor oreo now (laughs) at least we got it out of the way early the five minute laugh break it's something I think I'm okay, and then I come back to oh boy, the boys. <laughs> okay, so um, back back to the plot of the movie, I guess. Oh, what were your other character names? Okay, so we have Plain Flyerman, who is our main character. Uh-huh. We have Secretary, because she's a woman, and that's all she's good for, is her job. Yes. And then we have Big Shot Crew Cut, who is the classic military man. Okay. Um, Farmer McGurk. Oh, okay, yep, yep. I also made a character decision for Plain Flyerman. Okay. 
in that he was very confused by rank, so he just referred to everyone as major. That tracks, yes. Uh, the, the other thing I did for this one was that um, instead of lip reading, I just filled in what I thought the dialogue should be. So there's like... Oh, was it all, please God, get me out of this movie? Uh, <laughs> okay, I actually like... I actually kind of enjoyed this one. It, uh, Mostly because I just like really like bad sci-fi kaiju type movies. That's fair. And this one was like a quintessential low budget kaiju film. It was exactly that. Yes. Oh, there was also Sheriff Big Hat. Sheriff Big Hat. Um, major bad pilot. Okay. Major good pilot. <laughs> and... I think those are all the characters I named. Oh, also, definitely not Howard Hughes was another character. <laughs> Perfect. I I think I named two characters. I named the monster and I named the quote question mark scientist. His name was Dr. Thinstash. <laughs> Dr. Thinstash. And I literally, he's the only one I could distinguish from any of the other round-faced boys. <laughs> okay, so Dr. Thinstash was definitely not Howard Hughes in my story. Okay, that's, okay, Dr. Thinstash, definitely not Howard Hughes. I shit you not, I could not tell any of the men in this movie apart. They were very samey. <laughs> Yes. I mean, it was the 50s. And it was a movie full of round face boys. Just the roundest of faces. They were all either round or square. There were no other face shapes. Okay, so we open on generic pilot boy. Plane flyerman. Plane fly. We open on plane flyerman flying a plane. And he does a thing that scares the lady, of course. And I think the other round faced boys in the room with her, she just follows the pilot guy around a lot. Is she his secretary? I don't know. Whose secretary is she? Because she's just there. Always. I think she's like the Peggy Carter figure. Okay. But like that implies any form of agency she might have. She had she had none. She had none. Her agency consisted of getting people sandwiches and tiny cups of water. Yeah. Yeah. She made the executive decision on when the men needed tiny cups of water. Oh, yeah. So as plane flyerman is doing his air business. His thing. Yeah. He sees like, I thought it was like a random puff of smoke <sighs> that he saw out of his window. And is like, oh, his plane's going down. His wing is smoking. Turns out I was wrong. It was just a really blurry image of the giant claw. I think the giant claw is just physically intermittently blurry because there are times where you can see it clearly. And then there are times when people see it and it's just a blurry mess. And not just like bad camera blurry, like they intentionally made this thing blurry. Right, because they wanted to build tension. It's typical like <laughs> kaiju movie. We build tension by hiding the monster from your view, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, that is definitely one way to hide the monster is to have it in the middle of a clear sky, but just be blurry. And like it was very clear skies too. Yeah, there was no hiding. <sighs> So he, he sees this giant chicken wing in the sky. Because, like, if we're being real, when you get down to it, when it was blurry, it kind of looked like there was just a chicken wing flying next to him. <laughs> <laughs> it was just like, oh, God, there's KFC in the sky. <laughs> sky FC. It's, it's got 11 herbs and spices. No. What, what will I do? What will we do? The world is doomed. Okay, but... Was the giant claw extra crispy or original recipe? It looked like it had been crispy at one point, but then someone microwaved it and it got a little bit kind of rubbery and floppy. That's, that sounds about right. <laughs> they made a bird with teeth, first of all. <laughs> I didn't, that didn't even register as weird to me when I was watching the movie. <laughs> Just like, oh yeah, definitely bird with teeth. <laughs> it looks like I don't, uh, there's no good way it also had a fucking mohawk <laughs> but like it's mohawk had like 
12 hairs in it. And they were hairs, not feathers. <laughs> it was a very depressing mohawk. <laughs> yes. It was it was sad. Um so okay, so he sees this and I just sort of zoned out for a lot of the next little bit because it was a lot of people just talking with a woman in the background while she had facial expressions at them. There were um so like I assume that they just thought he was going crazy because the other thing about the giant claw is that it doesn't show up on radar. Okay. I don't know if you picked up on that. I absolutely was not paying enough attention. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm looking at this fucking thing. <laughs> this is just so dumb looking. <laughs> so bad. It's un- un- fucking unbelievably bad. My favorite thing is when they finally get pictures of the thing and they're like, they have like a slideshow and like... It's like, here's one shot, and here's a shot where it's like a little bit farther onto the screen, and then a little bit farther onto the screen, and then they switch to one where it's just fucking right up in the camera, like, hey, what's up, sluts? It's me, Flopjaw, the shittiest Muppet. Flopjaw, the shittiest. But, like, that's the other thing. Like, okay, so. I, I think basically, like, the plot was that they sent plane flyerman, like, back to New York to get a mental health checkup and told him he wasn't allowed to fly anymore. Okay. Um, their pilot was, like, definitely drinking heavily. Yes. Um, the secretary went with him for... For some reason. Reasons, I guess. Is this the point where... Oh, I did actually name Plane Flyerman. I forgot. Uh, Because of what happened (laughs) on their flight. The commercial flight. Okay, so we're we're still technically on the private military flight. Okay, we're on the private military flight. Okay, where okay. The, the the claw comes and attacks their plane. Yes, and the pilot is major bad pilot. Major bad pilot gets some jam on his face, and then they crashed at like full speed, full so, like, goddamn speed. Like yes, plane flyerman is clearly a skilled pilot. Just doesn't touch the con at all. Like, okay, may as well crash here. Oh, and they go like at speed. So I'm amazed that they didn't blow up. Yeah, uh, it was a hell of a landing. And then just a random new, a a new round faced boy just sort of waltzes out of the forest (laughs) to say hi. Well, howdy. Did you survive your plane crash? It's me, Farmer McGurk. (laughs) <laughs> I'll be here for one more scene. <laughs> he, he just shows, like, immediately. He's just already there. I don't know how. I think this man is a cryptid. He just shows up at plane crashes? It is entirely possible. It's the only explanation. Um, So, like... <laughs> The ambulance comes and, like, picks up the corpse of Major Bad Pilot, who I assume is dead at this point. Uh, He has to be, right? I I assume so. He got his head banged on a wall or something like that and just, like, died. He smashed his face into the jelly jar. Because he saw a giant chicken wing. Yes. And the the, this is where, like, I was like, is the monster just turbulence? Because that's basically what had happened at this point, was the plane flooped about a little bit and Boyo smashed his face and got jelly on it. That would be like, I don't know. Okay, so like that would work for like 1890s apocalypse movies. But I feel like it probably doesn't work for 1950s because the 1950s were a lot more literal. Yeah. So it's not just turbulence. We know this because we have Flopsy, the shittiest Muppet. So like, I don't know what the fuck happens, but plain flyerman is drinking what I assume is like a fine Chianti. Like it's going out of style. Mm -hmm. Now, mind you, (laughs) Farmer McGurk is pouring him out these glasses of wine in tiny cups. Tiny Tiny cups. Tiny, like, Collins glass cups. But, like, if you took a Collins glass and cut it in half, it's like, (laughs) here's your tiny shitty cup of wine. (laughs) It's like, here, 
It's fine. Have this slightly larger than shot glass of wine. You'll be you'll be fine. Just drink like 12 of these. You'll be fine. (laughs) You just had a plane crash here. Have some alcohol that will help your brain heal from the trauma you definitely experienced from a plane crash with no seatbelt. Oh, and then like the farmer goes outside for some reason and I think he gets struck by lightning. I don't. Okay, yeah, that was not clear. It was very unclear whether he got attacked by the claw or struck by lightning. Did he get struck by the lightning? Did he get attacked by the claw? Or did he, did he just see the claw and have, like, a fucking major freakout reaction to it? This is our second cardiac arrest yes. moment. Between, uh, between the farmer and um, office space. Yeah, yeah. but... It's okay, because Secretary is there with a tiny glass of water for him. You mean a tiny glass of wine? (laughs) Was it wine? Yeah, I'm like 90% sure they just started plying the farmer with wine after his cardiac event. (laughs) That sounds... (laughs) That's what I have in my notes. Quick, get that man some booze. That'll help after he's been electrocuted. (laughs) That tracks, yes. Uh... Yeah, that sounds about right. Uh, yeah, so then we scene wipe to the commercial flight. The fucking commercial flight. The fucking so, commercial flight. So far, our only indication of Secretary's relation to plane flyerman is that she is inexplicably near him always. And she's asleep on the airplane. Now, I'd like to note that since this was the 50s, people were also smoking on the airplane. Yes, they were smoking on the airplane. But, I mean, it was the 50s. They were dumb as hell. Just like... This motherfucker who I named Creepsy just full on goddamn leans over and kisses this sleeping woman. And it was a lot. I like my notes say, holy shit, sexual assault. Jesus, dude, fucking ask. God, the 50s were a night- nightmare time for women. I'm so grossed out by this sleepo. Yeah. And, and then it like works for her. Like they definitely end up together. So like he kisses her and she like reaches up and turns on her seat light yeah so that she can see who the fuck is like assaulting her and see oh god do i have to like start fighting this person off midair right and it's like oh it's that guy the round face oh wait they're all round face boys and then they're they start talking about like whatever he thinks he's seeing in the sky oh that's the other thing (sighs) fucking plain flyerman commits petty theft and steals a dude's newspaper Like from right under his arm. What is this fucking guy? And then they go to work on some papers, right? Right. So they pull out like a map and then they draw like three X's. And he's like, three X's? You know what that looks like? And then draws a perfect Fibonacci spiral. Exactly. I literally wrote a note about that. Like, Here's a few dots that are, like, basically in a line. Let's draw a spiral to connect them. That's gotta be it. The bird flies in a circular pattern. (laughs) What the hell? I I don't... How does it get back to the nest is my question. Also, why did they not think, hmm, this bird flies in a spiral pattern. That means it must be leaving from the same place every single time. There's probably a nest. It takes them, like, way too long to figure that out. But I, I do have to say, I appreciate um, the uh, the other ovoid boy who sticks up from behind their seat and says, hey, shut up, people are trying to sleep, asshole. <laughs> Little does he know, you shouldn't sleep around this man, because he will assault you. What's that? A sleeping man? Don't mind if I do. <laughs> oh, and then I think we cut to the monster after that. Mm-hmm. And it's like, on my notes, I, oh, there's the fucking monster. It's like a giant derpy vulture. 
It's a giant derpy vulture. I do want to talk about one thing, which is that the movie is called The Giant Claw, and the claws feature none of. There's a couple of close-up shots of the claws, but largely this large bad Muppet does its murders with its beak. (laughs) It does do a tremendous amount of beak-based crime. Yes. There's almost no claw crime. There's limited claw crime, but that happens, like, at the end of the movie. Yeah. There's one where, like, it's flying and it clips a building with its claws. Presumably the puppet operator just fucked up. There's also, it does, like, rip the top off of the Empire State Building, or what I assume was intended to be the Empire State Building. Yeah, I got that impression. So, like, that is some claw-based crime there was there was a little bit of claw-based crime but largely this is a beak boy (laughs) and i use the term beak very loosely i think we also use the term boy very loosely here because (laughs) the the bottom jaw uh, i hesitate to say thumb like but it we had another thumb incident here it curved down at the end <laughs> and it had teeth and it was was just sort of tubular it wasn't it, 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 it there's no it's not a beak i'd like to also note that like this is now the third movie in a row that we've had to deal with hair-based crimes <laughs> like First we have um Johnny <laughs> fucking disgusting horrible hair. Uh we we also had that um secret archive the redacted moment. The redacted moment. And now we have the giant claw and its weird bird mullet. <laughs> I'm sorry, a weird bird mohawk. I wish it was could you imagine that bird with a fucking mullet? I wish it was that <laughs> shit that would be so good. Oh my god, I'm googling bird with a mullet after we finish recording. Oh god. Okay, so here's here's some of the first dialogue that I filled in. Okay. Are you Captain Flyerman? Major Crewcut wanted us to come down and apologize to you for being a poodoo. He didn't do it in person because he's a coward. Now go kill a giant vulture. <laughs> At that point, a bunch of brass are telling them, telling our hero, um, plain Flyerman, he's their only hope to defeat this vulture. And my notes say, he's their only hope to defeat the vulture, which is, in fact, not a giant claw, but a real-ass bird. Yeah, um... This is where I started to question whether we were actually dealing with the U.S. military here, because there's like two officers and their only hope is just a dude. Random like civic. Yeah. Yeah. He's who they go to multiple times. None of, I mean, they also did send like four planes after it and they all died because it's apparently just like immune to bullets and missiles. I have to wonder when this like actually supposedly took place because like the only way that it makes sense as to how few like planes that they had and weapon capabilities they had was like if this took place during like the Korean War and like everything was in the Korean theater or something like that but like okay I can believe that I guess I don't know it's questionable um yeah okay so like they do send up four planes who I affectionately dubbed the Screaming Eagles because I thought that was ironic um (laughs) and so like I I also wrote out some pilot banter Eyes on the prize, boys. Missiles away. Damn, Captain, that was a direct hit. Oh, God, the beast. It was unfazed. Oh, no. And then the vulture is like, meow, meow, and eats him. Yeah. Then my other notes say, fire at will. Let's put lead into this motherfucker. He killed O'Malaman. <laughs> so O'Malaman was another named character. I believe that's also a brand of marshmallows. I don't know. <laughs> If it's not, it should be. Okay, I'm going to have to Google that now. In my head, that's definitely a brand of marshmallows. I think it's I think it's just me making a comedy bang bang reference. Okay. To um, the kid detectives, JJ and Murphy O'Malley Man. Okay. Okay, last bit of dialogue I filled in. Um, 
listen, Flyerman, I know you were discharged from the service, but we really need you to get up there and take this bird out away from population centers. And remember, your boss isn't asking you, your country is asking you. <laughs> Which, like, seemed appropriate. And it does, yeah, that seems appropriate. So, this one's, this is where the, this is where the movie lost me. Oh, this is where it lost you. Yeah, I was, like, following it, and it's like, okay, there's a giant bird, nobody really gets it, whatever, I, I understand. Like, it's a 50s movie, he's allowed to do a sexual assault on someone because it was the 50s. Yeah, allowed, sure, that, yeah, okay. This is, is this is where Dr. Finstash comes in, right? Yes, this is where they pull out, like, a fucking atomic model. Yeah, I... I legitimately thought they were gonna try to nuke the bird. <laughs> That's what I thought first, too, I was like, I guess we need to explain the concept of atoms... Before we nuke the bird. <laughs> I, I wrote in my notes, birds are immune to regular bullets, so you need to use radiation to kill it. That, that sounds about right, yeah. My note was, and now we go to the thin-mustached ovoid boy so he can explain the concept of atoms and why that makes the monster's jaw so floppy. <laughs> oh, God. Um... I think it attacks, like, London and also people on the beach, like, simultaneously. Yes, simultaneously. It's just, like, worldwide. It, it's it's an omnibird, is what it is. <laughs> Not only is it giant and has claws, they do show us the claws a couple of, like... I, I would say the claws are the stars of the screen for a collective... Seven seconds. Uh, what what else? Oh, okay. And, like, I guess it continues this Fibonacci spiral. Yes. But, like, the thing is, like, how, do, how does it get out to London? It's very strange. Magic. It uses the power of its mohawk to tear a hole in space-time. There's a moment while the giant claw is attacking various cities and it's like going through like a montage of city destruction and like people running. I, I wrote down, um, he's upset he hasn't figured out a way to kill the giant claw yet and it's the woman's job to cheer him up with sexual favors. Pouty pity fucks for everyone. Yep. Lady job three, that talk the mans. Um, okay, so like the giant claw attacks their city, which I assume now to be New York. Um, I have in my notes. Is it New York or is it Washington DC? Because there's definitely a shot where you can see like the fucking congress building outside the window i'm pretty sure it's new york because the un building and the empire state building feature heavily i think this movie is disconnected from time and space almost assuredly <laughs> um one of my notes is uh yes run through those open fields that new york city is so famous for yes <laughs> there's just a fucking bunch of people running in a herd okay so like I don't know what the plan was, but they, like, go to the, the giant claw's nest. The, the shit muppet's <sighs> nest. This, okay, this was an interesting... I had some thoughts about what happened here. Yeah, this one was, like... This is their attempt to, like, humanize the bird, I guess? I don't know what they were doing. I do know that the bird is immune to airplane weaponry but they can shoot giant holes in the egg with little dinky hunting rifles. No problem. <laughs> oh yeah, that's the important part. The bird is actually a mother. It's and she's a raising mommy. Hey, what's up? It's me, Mommy's Flapjaw. <laughs> I smoke 37 cigarettes a minute. You'd think that would be a lot, but my floppy jaw is so goddamn big, it's actually not very many cigarettes. I just have to pile them up. <laughs> <laughs> just just picturing the bird with like a stack of cigarettes in its mouth and thinking of that stupid meme a metal gym <laughs> it definitely has accidentally lit its shitty mohawk on fire at least once Maybe that's why there isn't more mohawk. <laughs> because it smokes so many fucking cigarettes simultaneously that it has burned the rest of its mohawk off. It's the only thing that makes sense. <laughs> it's the only 
possible explanation. Okay, so like I have in my notes, I'm like, oh, yeah, because it follows the spiral. They must be able to track it to where it sleeps or whatever. Load that shit up with like TNT or a suitcase nuke or something like that and blow the bird to kingdom come. Good plan. No, 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 no. The bird is immune to no, missiles. No, 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 It's like the two main characters and like random guy. I thought he was it the farmer boy. Might have been the farmer boy. I think it was the farmer boy. Uh, farmer boy like sees the bird and runs away and then gets killed, right? Yeah. That's, I, that's, I think he, that's yeah, what happened. Yeah, he gets, he full-on gets killed and then uh secretary and plain flyerman decide to shoot the egg with regular like hunting rifles yeah it's very like jawa-esque in that scene spoilers for the mandalorian but in that mudhorn scene there does the liquid gooshes very yes, hard there's a lot of like there's a lot of yolk in that egg yeah it's it's yolk fest 57 up in there absolutely <laughs> This is where the term yokel came from. God. The other thing about Yokefest 57 is that it's where, um, so this is like a very early material for what would eventually become in Soviet Russia jokes. Uh, but it was told by Yakov Smirnov's predecessor, Yokov Smirnov. <laughs> 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 you come here to my podcast and say Yokov Smirnov. You did say that a second time, is what you just said. Okay, but in Soviet Russia, bird kill you. <sighs> yeah. Okay, we missed the scene where they're just fucking listening to the radio while the world falls apart. Oh yeah, um, like. I, that wasn't a very important scene, but it did. I did have one very important note, which is what in the actual fuck was Secretary wearing in that I scene? I don't even remember what she was wearing. Uh, well, I wrote a note that her dress makes her tits look like the Sesame Street Yip Yip aliens. Yep, 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 yep. It wasn't good. It was not good. Not a good outfit. Yep, 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 yep. Titties. Yep, 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 yep. That's pretty much that scene happened. Oh, okay. So they like after they kill the egg. Yeah. Um, like the the claw gets really mad and like just buries them in some trees. Yeah. It can't get through trees, apparently. Immune to missiles cannot get through trees. And then I guess, like, they're fleeing from oh, the yeah, scene. Yeah, they, their... they get into a car, they start driving, and then we have a little... Uh... Altercation with some rowdy teenagers who are very clearly drunk. Yeah, yeah, I they, they were drunk driving 28-year-olds. Because <laughs> those were not teenagers. Those were not teenage humans. I, I assume they were intended to be teenagers. I'm sure they were, but this was a Buffy the Vampire Slayer level egregious age casting problem. <laughs> Very like, um... This was like Xander Harris. Like, these are fully adult, grown humans who are just sort of hanging on a convertible car, yelling and speeding... And then the bird kills them. <laughs> yes, so, like, it's a morality play, obviously. Clearly. If you drink and drive, a giant monster bird will come kill you. Yes. Bur bird, in quotation marks. A hairy bird. <laughs> a hairy bird will smoke at you and then kill you. <laughs> With its floppily jaw. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, Flopjaw may be a shitty Muppet who smokes a lot of fucking cigarettes, but I don't stand for no drunk driving, okay? Also, I think that Flopjaw has, like, a vendetta against parachutes because it keeps going after dudes who parachute out of the oh, planes shit. that it They're bites. so bad at parachuting, too. Like... I've never taken parachuting lessons, and I know that they did such a bad job. I thought the men were wearing diapers at first, but no, that was just their parachuting harnesses. And then they deploy their parachutes 
fucking immediately as they exit the airplane. Okay, so like that's that's actually by design though. Is it? Yeah. Is that how when it's supposed to work? When you're jumping when when you're ejecting from a military aircraft, it's supposed to like automatically pull the chute for you so that if you're knocked out and you if you eject and then get knocked out somewhere in the process, you're not it's not relying on you manually engaging your chute. Okay, but they're they're not like ejecting. They're jumping out a door in the side of the plane. At least for the first time, for for the first the first flopjaw incident, it's just a bunch of fucking dudes in diapers clamoring <laughs> out the side of a plane like a fucking slapstick comedy. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it was very. Sl- Are we gonna? Can we finish the movie? Summary. We're like on the last so, five sorry. sentences. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. Let's. I want to cut to ads here for a second. Yeah. Okay. Okay, so somewhere along the way, Plain Flyerman seems to figure out exactly what is needed to defeat the bird. Which is... A a gas of some sort? Some sort of gas that's produced by a machine. At some point, he became a nuclear engineer. Yes. Using the power of tiny glasses of water and sandwiches (laughs) handed to him by women. He became a nuclear engineer and built a gas machine that de-immunities the bird. It, like, it takes away Flopjaw's immunity to bullets? Yes. At one point, he works too hard. He tuckers himself out, and then Plum blew himself up. He did blow, blow himself up, yes. And they got into the hospital. Um, he was in the hospital, and... They talked to him while he was in there. That is a scene that happened in the movie. And I think, like, in the hospital, they figure it out, and it's like, I have, by Jove, I think you've got it. Oh, clearly they solved the exploding before it should problem, so load up the planes, I guess. (laughs) Yeah, and then they have to fucking build it in the plane for some reason. Yes. Like, while Flapjaw is chasing them, they're fucking assembling this thing, like, screwing it all together, like, gotta get it all the way done, otherwise it won't work. Gotta make sure these screws are tight. This is also where Flapjaw's destroying um, the Empire State Building and the UN Building, which is what clued me into it being New York. Mm -hmm. Um, I have in my notes one of the brass saying, Flyerman, you're getting your wings back. Just make sure you clip the claws before you land, (laughs) goddammit. That's... I wish... The movie had lines that good. I I assume the lines in the movie are not that good. Yes, that's my assumption also as well. So they managed to get the mystery gas working. Yeah. They use the mystery gas and then the claw suddenly becomes unimmune to bullets. Yeah. And the heavy artillery shoots at it. Yeah, and 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 just kills it. And it drops into some water. It sinks into, I assume, either the... Hudson River, like Sully Sullenberger would have wanted. <laughs> Do you think Sully Sullenberger was actually trying to kill the giant claw and he's the only one who saw it and that's why he crash landed the plane in the Hudson? Yes, 100%. That's exactly what happened. It's canon now. Yes. Canon to real life. That's the whole movie, right? That it yeah, just ends. I think we, we say goodbye to our intrepid heroes with a kiss and then the movie ends. The movie is done. We made it, everyone. I, we're, I'm grateful that this one was only like an hour ten. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, do we, do we want to cut to the mid-roll it's here? It's mid-roll time. It's mid-roll. Mi- 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 mid-roll. mid-roll! Hello, listeners. So we've reached that point in the show where we talk about Patreon. We love making our shows for every single listener, and we intend to keep access free, but there's no way we could do what we do without your support. I want to thank every one of our $1 patrons. Your support means a lot to us, and it gives us the fire that we need to keep going. Our $5 and up patrons not only give us the fire that we need to keep going, but you give us the ability to take the time to create more content. To Claire and to Emily, your support not only helps us keep going, but you were our first backers and that means a lot to us. Thank you so much. If you, dear listener, are enjoying our podcast and want to support us, you can do so by going to patreon.com slash so says media. 
That's S-O-S-E-S Media. Backers at the $1 level gain access to new episodes a day before release. And at the $5 level, backers gain access to episodes three days early, as well as special show-based perks, and their name credited in an episode. Make sure you stick around until the end of today's episode, where we'll have a preview of what you'll get if you become a patron. If you aren't able to support us with money, you can still do a lot to help us out. Follow us on Twitter at Unsound Theories, and give us a rating on iTunes, Google Play, or whatever podcatcher you use. You can also tell a friend. That's probably the easiest way to help out, and word of mouth goes a long way in helping us grow. I figure I've gone on long enough by now. I think it's time to return to Kat and Kira and their unsound theories. Time to get back to the show. It's time to, I think, get into Wikipedia. <laughs> yeah, you were able to find a, a plot summary for us? I was. Okay, good, because I had to find, I had to work extra hard for to find Amazon reviews. Oh, perfect. Okay, so... The Giant Claw, also known as The Mark of the Claw, okay. was produced by Sam Katzman and directed by Fred Sears. Sears and Katzman were well known as low-budget B-genre filmmakers. So this was like a middle career opus. Sure, sure. That, that tracks. Our main character's name is the whitest man name I've ever heard. Mitch McAfee. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Just the, like, the pure essence of fuck <laughs> when you heard mitch mcafee yep is a so mitch mcafee a civil aeronautical engineer while engaged in a radar test flight near the north pole so i was right when i said manitoba spots an unidentified flying object three jet fighter aircraft are scrambled to pursue and identify the object but one aircraft goes missing officials are initially angry at mcafee over the loss of a pilot and a jet over what they believe is a hoax when McAfee and mathematician Sally Caldwell fly back to New York, their aircraft also comes under attack by a UFO. With their pilot dead, they crash land in the Adirondacks. So they've gotten from the fucking North Pole to the Adirondacks fine. Just fine. Where Pierre Broussard, a French-Canadian farmer, comes to their rescue. That explains the wine. Yeah. Um... McAfee's report is met with bewilderment and skepticism, but the military authorities are forced to take his story seriously after several more aircraft disappear. They discover that a gigantic bird, quote, as big as a battleship, reported to come from an antimatter galaxy, is responsible <laughs> for all of the incidents. <laughs> what? Excuse me? You heard me. An antimatter galaxy. <laughs> Okay. McAfee, Caldwell, Dr. Carol Neumann, General Considine, and General Van Buskirk work feverishly to develop a way to defeat the seemingly invincible creature. The climactic showdown takes place in Manhattan, where the giant bird attacks both the Empire State Building and the UN Building. It's defeated by a special type of isotope applied from the tail gun position of a B-52 aircraft. <laughs> which successfully collapses the creature's antimatter shield, the heretofore unmentioned antimatter shield. What? And allows missiles to hit and kill the monster. The bird plummets into the Atlantic Ocean outside of New York, and the last sight of it is a claw sinking beneath the ocean. Uh, well, so we were spot on. Um, yeah, pretty much. Except we didn't catch the antimatter. Uh, I'm looking up the principal actor. Jeff Morrow is his name, but his real name is Leslie Irving Morrow. I understand why he goes by Jeff. <laughs> what else was he in? He's got to have been famous for... First of all, he died in 1993. So he won't be listening to the podcast. No, we can't get him as a guest, unfortunately. Damn. Unless... Unless... He's another immortal. Okay, we have to find out from... Um, Truck Burnsides. <laughs> yeah, Truck Burnsides, who was playing the character of... Um, uh, Jose Chung. No, that's the X-Files. Jesus Christ. I mean, yes, technically Jesus. <laughs> um, Jerome Bixby. There we go. Okay. So we have to check with Jerome Bixby when we get Jerome Bixby on the podcast mm -hmm. to see if Jeff Morrow is also one of the immortals. Yeah. 
Um, bringing things back to uh, the Twilight Zone, um, our friend Jeff Morrow was in the Twilight Zone, but the 1980s version. Okay. So we've circled back to the Twilight Zone. Yeah. Which I think is going to be a recurring shared continuity sort of thing. Was he on an episode where everybody is very round? I, I assume so. Yeah. It's the only explanation. Okay. Um, critical reception was very negative, with film writer and historian Bill Warren commenting, this would have been an ordinarily bad movie of its type with a good performance by Jeff Morrow if the special effects had been industry standard for the time. That, however, is not what happened. The claw is not just badly rendered, it's hilariously rendered, resembling nothing so much as Warner Brothers cartoon character Beaky Buzzard. <laughs> so it's been mocked for its quality of special effects. Leonard Malton noted that the film disappointed for a lack of decent special effects, which ruins the running battle between Colossal Bird and Jet Fighters. The bird is, as we have determined, laughable. Yes. And it does mm. it, it does look a little bit like Beaky Buzzard from the Looney Tunes. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. But if Beaky Buzzard smoked a lot of cigarettes and was as large as a battleship and from an antimatter galaxy and had antimatter shielding <laughs> okay let's get captain picard in here to take down this fucking bad bird oh my god do you think it was a klingon warbird i and just the primitive minds of the 50s like couldn't comprehend what a spaceship was so they just thought it was a giant actual bird i i assume so it has to be it has to be it has to be there's no other explanation no possible explanation okay um do we want to do want to hit those amazon reviews oh it's amazon review time uh the only way i could find this was because it's not, a, shockingly, not available to watch digitally on Amazon. I did find it being sold in DVD form in a Spanish-dubbed version. It You apparently, according to reviews, you can watch it in English only if you change the subtitles to French. And then you can have English audio. Um, so this review from Robert E. Kelly... Five stars. Uh, I remembered when I was younger and it was great. But that was the title. Five stars. The review reads, It was as I remembered when I was younger and it was great. I, if you didn't read that one, I was going to read that one. Um, another five star review. Keep looking up. An absolutely great campy film. The monster is outrageous and quite different from the norm. Unless you are Japanese. Extremely entertaining movie. Uh, we have another five-star review from Ken Berry. I really enjoy the old classic movies, even the ones in black and white. It makes you think what could be out there in outer space. You know, UFOs and all. But I do love sci-fi stuff. Thanks again. <laughs> okay, so there are two one-star reviews. Which of those would you like me to read? There's the long one-star review from Gary F. Taylor, who is a Hall of Fame reviewer in Amazon. Wow. And then there's Scott T. Rivers, who... Um, he's a Vine voice. He's a Vine Let's voice. Let's just say it. He's a Vine voice. I'd like to note that Gary Taylor is also a Vine voice. Is Gary Taylor? Yes, Gary Taylor is also a Vine voice. I don't know what that means. Because Vine hasn't existed for a while now. Let's let's right click and see what it means. Customer is a member of Amazon Vine Voice, an invitation-only program that gives Amazon reviewers access to not yet released products for the purpose of writing reviews. Review written as part of Vine Voice always includes this label. On the initial product detail page, customer reviewed from Amazon Vine program when viewing the entire review, this is a permanent badge. So well, these people are so good at reviewing that they get free stuff from Amazon in order to review it. Okay. So Gary or Scott? Let's go with Scott's review. Okay. Scott T. Rivers writes, Ultra cheap Sam Katzman quickie with plenty of special defects right down to the ridiculous title monster. The giant claw 
1957, offers hilarious deadpan actors and industrial strength stock footage in a mad race against tedium. Ludicrous, even by Katzman's standards. And that's saying something. One star. Yep. Yep. Uh, Also, the review title is Pull the Strings. (laughs) Uh, yeah. I... It was definitely a movie. Um, this one for sure did not win awards, so we can <laughs> just not even bother with that segment. Okay, friends, we've had fun, but I think it's time for a moment of serious talk. Hey, it's me, Flopjaw the Shittiest Muppet. I talk about smoking a lot, but you shouldn't do it. It'll give you a bad mustache. And by mustache, I do mean mohawk. See, smoking (laughs) has ruined my brain as well as my hair and my voice and my teeth and my jaw. That's right. It wasn't the antimatter shielding that made my jaw floppy. It was the smoking. Don't do it, kids. Also, kids, it's me, plain flyerman, reminding you always get permission before you smooch up on someone yeah yeah i'm flopcha again and that's good advice too (laughs) even me a giant murder bird knows that i i literally kill people and destroy property and i even i know you shouldn't fucking kiss someone who's asleep what are you doing Oh, it gets me so steamed. I'm going to go smoke some fucking cigarettes. Okay, real talk, though. Do you think that um, Flapjaw smokes cloves? Flapjaw smokes 50s cigarettes. So I'm going to say that Flapjaw probably smokes cloves. I think Flapjaw has to smoke special antimatter cigarettes. The anti, the anti-camels, if you will. Oh, God. This was a movie, huh? It definitely was a movie that happened. <laughs> okay before i die from this cough um do you want to just fucking end it here let's end it yeah thanks for listening everyone we sure didn't unsound theories is a production of so says media you can follow us on twitter at unsound theories as well as at so says media we also have a youtube channel subscribe to us on youtube for more queer comedy all music used on this episode was created by Sounds Like an Earphone. Until next time, thanks for listening. Now that we've reached the end of the episode, I'd love to give you a sneak peek of some upcoming Patreon bonus content. The following clip is part of an upcoming Patreon exclusive bonus for episode 4. Make sure you subscribe to get episode 4 as soon as it launches. Hello, and welcome to Unsound Theory's bonus episode. I'm Kira. And I'm Kat. And we've been thinking. So. So. I called you into this emergency session. Yes, we are, what, like five days after we recorded? Yes. And just something, something occurred to me. And I think this is possibly groundbreaking world changing i was i was thinking about neck drugs and as you do as i as i frequently do i'm all about that neck drug um and there's a scene in the movie where donald sutherland hands brad mcbrad like a little computer chip thing that he's been carrying around his neck right it's like a future USB stick that is probably corrupted. Yeah, it's a little wild looking. It's like a USB stick if you peeled off like the case is probably exactly what they did. And wrapped it in cardboard that said top secret. Yeah. So anyway, I hypothesize that on that stick is the recipe to neck drug. But we found out later that on the stick is in fact... A video from Daddy, right? Brad McBrad's Daddy, right? Uh, his his husband slash dad. I realized that what if I was actually right, and the video from Daddy was just some throwaway bullshit, 
And the entire space adventure was completely unnecessary because the real point of the stick is that in the metadata for the video is hidden, encoded, the recipe for neck drug. Okay. Yeah. And I think if Brad McBrad had been smart enough to actually like look and dig into that, though the movie takes an entirely different course. Oh, and do we think it's like a sort of like a, a missed puzzle where like you have to watch certain elements of the video and like picking out like little parts of the video? Oh, there's part of the recipe. Ooh, there's another part of the recipe. That's possible. My other thought was it's like you go like you dig into into the like like the file size is part is like the key to the code and then like the geolocation data is also fake, like not actually a place on earth, but it's part of a code. And then like all, all of the metadata stuff that's attached to the file, the video itself is meaningless. But if you, if you dig into it, you've got a neck drug recipe. Okay. So what we're saying, what we're saying is that this movie could have been breaking Brad. <laughs> I was going to make that safe joke. (laughs) (laughs) And so, yeah, this this emergency session is um, just mostly to talk about what that movie looks like. Thank you so much for sticking around. If you want to get the full version of this bonus episode when it launches, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash so says media. That's S-O-S-E-S Media. $5 and up patrons will receive bonus episodes like this one, as well as access to regular episodes three days early. Until next time, thanks for listening.